This is the business of sports. Let's talk Super Bowl and Fox Sports. Every single thing that occurs, I want people to remember this is a business. Guaranteed money isn't necessarily guaranteed. Michael Barr. How high can these valuations go? Scott Soshnank. Duke. Everybody loves rooting against him, right? Evan Novi Williams. Off the field, the NBA has never been buzzier. And the leaders in the sports industry. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. The CEO of Oracle, Mark Hurt. Jared Smith, president of Ticketmaster. Mindy race car driver, Elio Castroneves. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Oh my goodness. We have some allegations of some big-time cheating in Major League Baseball, and it has cost them the 2017 manager of the Astros, A.J. Hinch, and the 2018 manager, the Boston Red Sox, Alex Cora. I'm going to tease later in the show and segue with saying that baseball did not let them skate on the issue, thank you, Evan Novi Williams, because later in the show we're going to be talking to Mike Bossy. Yes. New York Islanders legend. Yes. Love yes, Mike. Yes, he is. I used to see, I mean, I'd sit behind the goal, Bossy come down the right wing, he'd let that sucker rip. I mean, like, no cheating within an there. inch, no, che- no, no, no cheating there. You, you had to cheat to stop it. But anyway, baseball <laughs> cheating. Yeah, I mean, Cora, the Red Sox manager, he was all over the report with the Houston Astros. So now he's out of a job, still waiting to see what happens with Carlos Beltran. Mets are not saying. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's catch up real quick on, on where exactly we are right now, right? Where are so, we? so can I bang a garbage can <laughs> as we talk? <laughs> there were allegations a couple months ago that the Houston Astros, when they won the World Series a couple years ago, uh, were tipping hitters who were batting what the pitch was going to be but by using cameras in the outfield and banging on a a, a a loud garbage can to tip them off in real time, right? And which, it's the same which is not allowed shot that you would baseball. get if you're at home. Exactly. Right. Baseball looked into this earlier this week. Rob Manfred, the commissioner, came out with a pretty hard line, right? He suspended both the manager of the Astros at the time, A.J. Hinch, the general manager, Jeff Luno, suspended them both for a year. Analytics right? and then, leader in and, baseball. And then, you know, the Astros owner later that day came out and fired both yeah, of Jim them. Jim Crane said, you're fired. And what the baseball investigation dug up is that, according to baseball, this was a player-driven thing. That the person at the Astros organization that knew the most about it was bench coach Alex Cora, or went out to the the, the Red, Red Sox. Sox yeah. The Red Sox also have their own cheating investigation happening right now, right? He is a part of that also. Uh, baseball did not punish him, at least has not yet. They wanted to um, wait till the end of the Red Sox exactly. investigation. Um, if you can read between the lines, I would imagine he's going to get a very hefty punishment. Considering um, he's already out of a job, it's it's pretty in safe that, to guess that. Yes. In the interim there, the Red Sox also fired Alex Cora. Right? Uh, what, do so, we, what do we make of this? I, so I think there's a, there's a bunch of interesting questions, right? I, the one that kind of gets to me, I mean, the, the one that pops into my head first, right? This is a punishment of... Some executives, no players, at least not yet, right? I think both the Major League Baseball and the Astros have said they're not going to punish any players. You mentioned Carlos Beltran was on that Astros team. It sounds like he was involved. He's now the manager of the Mets. Um, Somebody should have told him Wainwright was coming with a curveball. Thank you. You make that joke every time his name comes up. I can't help it. Thank you. The punishment for the Astros as an organization (laughs) or for Jim Crane as an owner is very small, right? It's $5 million and a loss of two draft picks this year and two draft picks next year. $5 million is the maximum that Rob Manford can find. I wonder if, you know, it's clear that Jeff Luno got punished. B- baseball doesn't think he knew about it. Got punished because he was the man in charge. 
why are we not punishing the owner, right? He, he won a World Series title. It turns out the team was cheating. In some way, there's a part of me that thinks that there should be some uh, punishment some, for the person who owns the team. Some owners don't even show up at the, at the ballpark. You know, I know they're the owner, but they don't even show up. Sure, okay. but right, leadership comes from the top, right? Uh, so if you're going to fire... Well, if but you're they're gonna... saying Luno's at the top. That's what they're saying. I mean, they're saying that the sure. buck stops with Jeff Luno. But if I may, why does this matter from a sports business perspective? And I'm going to say two words why it matters. Sports betting. This is yes. why it matters. We've got to a point in time now where, as David Stern always would say, you better take care of the core issue, and the core issue is the game. Anything that would cause fans to doubt the integrity of the outcome of the games is enough to make them, probably the only thing, that would be enough to make them Turn off the TV, stop watching the highlights, stop placing the bets, forgetting the fantasy team if they do not believe that the outcomes are real. But, but, I will, yeah, to push back on that, I had for a, a very second. good staccato paced measured <laughs> argument. And you had you come a, with that a Walter butt. Cronkite. Yes, yes. Yeah. Good night and good luck from Mr. Murrow. <laughs> yes. I f- everybody is cheating in some capacity, right? I mean, I feel like we talk about this every week on the show, but your favorite professional sports team is breaking the rules. Your favorite college team is breaking NCAA rules. Your favorite professional sports league is taking money from a country that treats its citizens very poorly in an authoritarian manner, right? This is sports right now. And I I mean, the Astros are not the only team doing this. They're all doing it. The Red Sox are not the only team doing this, right? In some ways, you know... Kind of like the performance-enhancing drug analogy, right? I think, but I don't know what a lot of teams is, are doing. But this. this is the, this is a message. This is a clear message from from Rob Manfred. I don't know where the line is, but this obliterated it. Sure, guys, we cannot have. Well, I just out and out bold face cheating. Well, here's why, and you you hit the nail on the head, and Thank I, I got to go back to to what we were talking about. Out of all of the four major food groups in sports, baseball's the one where the pitcher. Is it's almost like one on one. I'm going to bet on a game if I know X Y Z pitcher is on there, and he and he's an ace, and it's great. Now the problem is if you figured out what pitch he's going to throw, that whole advantage of me betting on this game has just been thrown into the trash bin. Yeah, and just like if you know, no joke. Just like if you knew who the umpire was before anybody else. Some yeah. umpires give wide strike zones, and you're more at yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's why the information and the sports betting age, all of this is even more critically important. One other thing before we move on on this real quick, uh, based baked into this punishment was also punishment for Brandon Taubman, the assistant GM for the Astros, who, if you remember, was the one before he got fired, uh, who who yelled at those female reporters about Roberto Osuna. Right. Was that that culture um, of the organization? Exactly, and Rob there's Manfred a part in about? here where Rob Manford essentially just goes deep on how how bad the baseball operations culture at mm. the Astros was, and and that comes from Jeff Luno at the top, obviously, yeah. where prioritizing winning happens in the face of you know a lot Anything. of other things right so so he kind of connects the Brandon Taubman's outburst against the female reporters with the cheating all under one kind of bigger umbrella of the problem when everyone is hyper focused on winning and not focusing on all the other things that you know you should have in any business whether it's you know selling cars or major league baseball to put a bow on it the major league baseball fined the Houston Astros 5 million dollars why 5 million dollars cuz they couldn't go more that's the maximum that the league can fine any team so there you go WNBA big deal what's happening 
I, I'm shocked at this. This to me is is the most shocking news of the week. Hmm. And that we someone's will, getting paid in the WNBA. Not that someone's getting paid. That they're all getting paid in the amount they're getting paid. Uh, and by the way, Terry Jackson, the executive director of the Players Association, will be our guest on Thursday. All right. So we're going to ask her how this came we'll go about. Deep on this, yeah. Yeah. I, so just quickly, uh, we know the WNBA does not make the money the NBA does. We know the players in Adeladon and some of the others were making a lot of noise about we deserve to be treated better, there needs to be more investment in the game. But cash compensation will triple. Top players will get $500,000 or more. Better travel standards, new childcare, maternity, family planning. A 53% increase in total cash. That's, that's big-time support for this league. And the question I have... Where's it coming from? And maybe Terry can answer that, and we'll also talk to some folks at the league. But it's not like these franchises are spitting out money. No, and and, and part of this, and I was kind of surprised to read this, you know, the big major male leagues, right, the NFL, the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, almost all those leagues share revenue about 50-50, depending on, you know, it's roughly in in that category. The WNBA was at like 20-30%. Right, so so just by moving up to the same ratio that the men's leagues get, now we're not talking about total dollars, but we're just talking about percentage. Just by moving up to about fifty fifty, you can accomplish a lot of these things. And by the way, there will be also there's a, there's a revenue share component of this deal too. Yeah, exactly. So based on how much money the league can make from its marketing deals, it, uh, it's it's going to be very mm-hmm. interesting. And I, then the other part of this, what, what do what do WNBA owners get out of this? Right, they're getting essentially two things. Right, they are getting a commitment from players. To prioritize their league, right? Which yeah, has been no a problem for a while. Yeah. yeah, you can maybe play in Russia, but you can't stay in Russia when right. WNBA camp opens, right? right. Or so, you may not have to. So if, exactly. So better pay and also, you know, these demands that you have to be in camp on time, et cetera, um, helps make the WNBA in the future maybe back to being the most high priority, biggest women's basketball league in the world, right? And that's tremendously valuable for the WNBA. Other thing to mention, they get a domestic violence policy, right? Which, you know, there were two fairly high-profile domestic violence cases in the WNBA in the past two years. A lot of criticism for the league, you know, given how much criticism happens on on the NBA, for example, right? They didn't even have a policy at all. They get a policy as part of this deal. So those are two, you know, pretty big wins for the owners in terms of what they're getting to give up this money. And also, by the way, though, at a time... When I believe that the investment in high-profile women's sports will yield a tangible return. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for ROI, I think companies in particular, the sponsorship part of this, are recognizing that there is a great value in having an Elena Deladon as your spokesperson. Uh, And only to be, I think more valuable in the near future. Well, that's and that kind of goes back to something I was talking about years ago. And I remember when the WNBA made uh, its debut on the Lifetime channel. Yeah. And and I remember telling somebody You were watching 30 something and said, "Boy, that hope has never happened." Yeah, uh, yeah, that was yeah. That Thank was you it. Ken Olin. And then uh, after watching Melissa Gilbert in Another Life or something, I I, I what I didn't understand and I, and I needed someone to explain it to me, why on Lifetime? This is a perfectly legitimate sport. Why can't CBS, NBC, Well, you knew the tagline for Lifetime. I, mean, I think it made sense in one perspective. It, you, what was it? It was Lifetime, comma, 
television yeah, I, for women. I get it, but that, that's that's my point, is why this is everybody's sport. The WNBA is a sport that everybody can enjoy. That's what I'm trying to get to. Well, I, now you're getting a lot of the same broadcast. I mean, they are piggybacking from the NBA's broadcast deals and will yeah. appear in your more mainstream sports. They've networks. got a Twitter deal as well. I mean, I think, yeah. they, I think they would tell you that Lifetime – Experiment didn't work, right? But it was an attempt to maybe draw in a new audience by at least going to where they the are. Yeah, a core audience at the start. Yeah, and Scott, you mentioned, you know, we're kind of entering this era. You know, certainly women's sports are getting more attention, media attention now than they were five years ago. Does that translate into dollars in the future? Hopefully, we'll see. Do you think that a deal like this resonates across other sports? I mean, women's hockey is a good example. You know, one of the leagues has folded. Women's a lot soccer, of the women are women's not playing. Hockey, high women's profile soccer, women. high-profile yes, lawsuit. You are going to see some very smart person backed by somebody with deeper pockets who can afford to wait. Somebody is going to roll up women's sports, bring them together, and make a killing. I don't and, know who and, it is. And how long do we think the time horizon is on that? I don't think it's very long. It's yeah. going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, am I right about this? Uh, no. Before we move on. <laughs> Before we move I'm just on, just playing the odds here, Bar. Under the yeah, probably you're right. Under this deal, the maximum WNBA salary would increase eighty three percent to two hundred fifteen thousand dollars from one hundred seventeen five. You said the that's, average that's salary. That's not eighty three percent. That's yeah. like doubling. The, uh, the oh, maximum. sorry, yeah, increase eighty three. You're right. Yeah. Yes, yes, I think that's right. And then well, if you add in the cash considerations, I don't even know. You get up, you get up to a much higher number for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about college football. Congratulations, LSU, for winning the national title. They beat Clemson. Uh, LSU, and I'm telling you now, Joe Burrow, he's going to fit in very well in the National Football League, that beautiful Heisman Trophy winner. I'd rather see Trevor Lawrence. If if I'm picking between Joe Burrow, and I, I mean, what do I know? But if I'm picking between Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, you mean to tell me you're taking Burrow over Lawrence right yes, now? Yes, the heck really? I am. I'm going the other way. Are we NFL GM? I said I have no <laughs> idea, but I, I, I like it. I know this, that they're both going to make a lot of money. He completed Burrow, I want to say, almost 8 out of 10 passes during his season. Whatever. He was smart enough at the end of the game. I was very happy they took that victory formation. Yeah. Could you, did you see what he did after the game? Yeah, hold, that was your story. Yeah, he held on he, to that football. Well, yeah, that's what really made me take notice of it. I kind of watch for that these days to see if the person who gets the final out in baseball, like they put the, they put the ball in their back pocket. Right. Like, so technically, I believe, because I still haven't heard from the school, but technically the ball is proper the property of the university. But Joe Burrow tucked that sucker under his arm and did not let go. He, he was doing the interviews. Right. He was walking with that thing, you know. And so I made a, f- a few phone calls. I think it's worth uh, at least $100,000. According to Golden, right? According to Ken Golden, yeah, of, of Golden Auctions. So I will give him credit having the smarts to tuck that ball under his arm and, and say, this ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Real quick on the money they're going to make. If Joe Burrow goes pro this year, right, he'll, he'll be drafted in 2020. Trevor Lawrence doesn't have that option. He has to go back to school. He, he's he's eligible for the 2021 draft. He could play in the G League. Um, sure, yeah, there's, <laughs> there may be other options. Um Trevor Lawrence is coming in under a new, the new CBA. Yes, right, and that, that, that could always kills rookies. They always sell out the could rookies. Could dramatically change his his earning potential. Yeah. So there's a good chance that Joe Burrow is not the number one pick. Trevor Lawrence is, and Joe Burrow ends up with a significantly larger rookie deal than than Trevor Lawrence does. Hey, we've got a treat because yes. we talked to the Islanders. Just extraordinary. As somebody who grew up near the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Uniondale, Long Island and would take regular trips there to see the Islanders play. 
Uh, there's a Mount Rushmore of those four Stanley Cup teams. Right. And surely Mike Bossy's face and slap shot are on it, along with you know, Trottier, Smith, Potvin. In my, that's my Mount Rushmore. As our audience knows, my son Jackson uh, is a fairly high-level goaltender. So, awesome goaltender. You know, so I, I asked Bossy to start. Here's a guy who regularly scored 50 goals in the NHL. What advice would he have for 10-year-old Jackson? First of all, you didn't advise him. You know, you know who makes the money, right? Who is who's makes the money? Goal scorer. The goal. The goal scorer. Yes, I know. Well, believe yeah, me, on many fronts, I did not want him to be uh, in the net. <laughs> but there is. I rem- <laughs> last time you and I were in the same space, I'll laugh. One of my coworkers said to you, "Hey, Mike, who, who was who was the toughest goalie ever faced?" And you actually laughed at him, which I enjoyed. Do you remember uh, well, what you said? Well, well, yes, I remember because it's my stock joke answer. I say, I said, listen, I average fifty-seven point three goals a year. There weren't any tough. There goalies. you go. There were no <laughs> tough goalies. Fifty-plus goals a year. There were no no tough. So what? What should I give me? The one thing I need to tell my ten-year-old son who has all these aspirations in the net. Uh, I would say when someone winds up for a slap shot, close your eyes. <laughs> oh, so, so I've been giving him good advice. This is great. You've been giving him great advice. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean that. Hey, listen, that's a that's a tough position to play uh, these days uh, to to be in nets, and and uh, God love him for for wanting to do it. Yeah, well, let's see. Does God love hockey? <laughs> where do you see where do you see the sport as a whole, Mike? I mean, everybody knows it. Big Four. We talk about football baseball, basketball, and usually hockey's, you know, number 4. Where do yeah. you see hockey in the broad realm of pro sports? You know what? I, I think that I think that hockey is actually and and really gaining in popularity. I mean, if you look at the success that the sport is having in in cities like uh like uh, Dallas and Nashville and you know the the uh the cities on, on the west coast, the new team going to Seattle, you know, I really think the Americans are, uh, in in parts that didn't know the game, are are really starting to understand the game and 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 love the enthusiasm uh, behind uh, the players playing it. How about internationally? I mean, every sport, you know, basketball, football, everyone's looking internationally as as a growth opportunity. Hockey yep. has an advantage in that there are you know a lot of places, specifically in Europe, where hockey is tremendously popular. How about the the kind of the strategy that the league has right now in terms of growing its own presence in places like Scandinavia and places like Europe, places like Russia? Yeah, well, I think we all know that hockey is pretty popular in those areas uh, to start off with. I, I, I think, and it's been mentioned by a number of different people. I think that that the NHL should get back to the Olympics. Um, you know, it's 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 uh, an unbelievable window uh, to 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 you know show the talent of of the players um, again. Show that. Everybody in the world, or or lots of places in the world, play the game, and that it's uh, that it's an exciting game to watch. So, so I, I'd like I'd like to see the NHL get get back into the Olympics. You've worked in in the front office for NHL teams. You've also been a player. Obviously, is that the player in you talking, or is that the front office person in you talking, or both about trying to get to the Olympics? Because well, there's obviously a, 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 a divide there. Yeah, well, you know what? I'd, I'd like to think it's it's both talking. I know I know from a player's perspective, uh, if there's one thing that I would have liked to have done when I played is, is played in the Olympics, but but NHL players weren't allowed to play back then, and 
I know that players uh, got a taste of it uh, in past Olympics, and, and, and I know a lot of them would want to get back. I would think at the same time that the more uh, the, the the more you showcase your sport, the, the 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 more people get to watch it, the more people get to uh, enjoy it, and the more people want to see it again. So, I think from a league perspective, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm talking from from uh, both sides. Uh, I don't I don't know, you know, where the line is that that makes it good or bad from a, a business perspective for the National Hockey League, so that, that's all I can't speak for on behalf of them. This is Geezer Barr here, and I'm going to go back in the day when I remember when the penalty used to be, uh, in this special penalty, when it was one-on-one, when you had the player going to the goalie. That was uh-huh. like, oh my goodness, the, here it comes. And yep. then they changed the rule, so then when you got the shootout, that's what you had. And, I, and I'm just wondering about your thoughts. Do you think that has helped the game or it has weakened it a bit? Well, you know what I think? I think people like to see the game end, uh, you know, with, with a win or a loss. Uh, and, and obviously throughout an 82-game schedule, you can't, because there, there ends up being so many ties, you can't, you can't have players play overtime until a goal is scored. Uh, you know, just to, because of injury, because of timing issues, because of a whole bunch of different things. The three-on-three is is unbelievable. I don't know if, if how many people have seen the three-on-three when they, they, they go into overtime, but there is ex- extremely exciting play that, that comes from the three-on-three. And, you know, but five minutes of it is, is enough for, for a lot of different reasons. So, because you want the game to end, because you want a winner and a loser, you, you, you got to go to the shootout. So I don't, you know, am I a fan of it? Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure if I am or not. But on the other hand, uh, am I a fan of seeing someone win the game? Yes, I am, and for the game to end at some point. So I don't know what the what the what the exact the best uh, solution would be, but uh, this one's not too bad. All right, Mike, we'll get you out on this. Uh, the Islanders, obviously, are constructing a new building in Elmont. Uh-huh. Uh, your thoughts on leaving the Coliseum and what, from a dollars and cents perspective, a new facility means for that franchise? Well, first of all, it gives the New York Islanders a home. Um, you know, the, the New York Islanders have, have been going back and forth for the last couple of years. They went from Nassau to Barclays for, for one year. They were playing in Nassau for a whole bunch of years when they would have wanted to, to build an arena uh, right next door to, uh, to, to the Coliseum. So um, I'm glad the situation has finally come to, uh, to, to a head and, and that they're moving uh, and that the Islanders are, are going to have a home. Uh, I think what it means is that from a part marketing perspective, you can, you can market the, the, the new arena in, in, uh, at Belmont as, as your own and, and you can start, uh, benefiting from, uh, from, from that new arena and everything that a new arena brings. And, and you can start to create a fan base that knows where to go to see the New York Islanders and, and you can create a loyal fan base from that. So I think it's, it's, I, I, my, personally, I think it's only good news for, uh, and, and I'm happy that the new owners were able to, were able to get this done. All right. I lied. This is the question. The last question where I try and get you in trouble. 
John Tavares left the team, went to Toronto. They're a little up and down. The Islanders seem to have found a stride with Barry Trotz as a defensive-minded club. Your thoughts on whether, you know, the, the adage, sometimes the best deal is the one you didn't make. Long-term, are the Islanders better positioned without having committed all those dollars to one player in John Tavares? <laughs> you asked some. You asked some real good. You guys asked some real good questions. Um, are are they better off not having committed those dollars? You know what? In the end, in the end, when you want a winning team, you end up spending those dollars anyway. But you know, sometimes, sometimes you need that that star player on your team to. Uh, to, to give you that extra little something that, that makes you better than the, than the next team. Um, so it's, it's hard to say, uh, you know, John, John made his own bed. He, he, uh, he, he made the decision and the Islanders obviously have to, have to, have to walk away uh, from that with, uh, with nothing. But on the other hand, as you, as you mentioned, uh, before you ask the question, they've done they've done pretty well post uh, John Tavares. Hey, as a longtime Islanders fan growing up in Huntington, I got to say I'm okay watching Matty Barzal. Yes, absolutely. All right, Mike Bossy, thanks so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Mike Bossy, what a cool guy. I, I, I'm really just like I was. That's one of those moments. And I'm sorry, I know I'm supposed to be a professional, but I was giddy. I, I like that. Wicked slap shot. Yeah. <laughs> Wicked. This has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. And we have it here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday for you at the same time where we talk to the biggest names in sports. Later this week, that's Terry Jackson, the WNBPA, the Women's Basketball Association's Players Union. The head of that, uh, we're going to talk about the new labor deal that we just covered right there, but we'll get much more in depth on it. By the way, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You can follow me at Novi underscore William. And I'm Scott Sostick. You can follow me at Sostick. Thanks for listening, and be sure to get the podcast wherever you do your downloading.